So first of all, welcome to the show, Richard. Thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. Yeah, proper excited. So you, you've just got back from a yoga retreat, is that right? Yeah, uh, my wife and I run a yoga teacher training, 200 hour yoga teacher training once a year, and that was in Thailand. Um, so, I mean, really that was my wife's before we met in the sense of she'd set up this yoga teacher training school. It's 200 hours. She does offer 500 hours as well. So kind of, we, I guess we're growing it, but it, it really focuses and goes into the philosophy of yoga, the, the physical practices of yoga. Um, and yeah, just all of that really. So what, where's your role within this? Cause I know that you're, um, where you're at right now, you're really interested in the state of flow. So where, what's your role within that at the moment? So with regards to what in the yoga, yoga yeah, gym, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'm teaching the breath aspect to it. Um, okay. So linking that with pranayama. So that's, the, I guess, the traditional Sanskrit word for um, breath, pranayama. Pranayama, okay. Pranayama. Um, so breath, and I also go through flow state. I also do anatomy. Um, that's my kind of past career working in sport. So I do all the anatomy of... Um, the movement and the body and that kind of stuff. Okay. So, um, so yeah. th- there's, <laughs> there's already loads to go. So if we, I guess, could you, first of all, could you just explain what the state of flow actually means? Yeah. So flow state, um, flow state is technically defined as the uh, state of mind where we feel our best and we perform our best. The, the signature uh, really of flow state, which is decide or not decide, but, um, from the flow genome project so you've got stir selflessness yep. meaning your la- your your identity of self is gone so you're in the present moment you're okay. not thinking about you a lot of yeah a lot of people talk about being in the moment so that's actually exactly that's that. one aspect of flow yes and there's four of these okay so that's, yeah. that's interesting because that's what one of the questions i was going to ask yeah. so one of the aspects is being in the moment okay yeah um timelessness so sense of time dilates okay um five hours can go past in five minutes or time can be shortened down. And, and really, I guess maybe best to go into the part of our brain that's that's mainly active in this or not active. So our prefrontal mind, okay, uh, prefrontal cortex, and there's a place in there called the default mode network or the, the default mode network, sorry, um, houses our sense of self, our sense of time. Uh, like our daydreaming is in that, that's very active. It's also a really crucial part for us human beings in the sense of logical, rational yeah. thinking mind. But it also houses our inner critic, our inner negative dialogue, our worries, our anxieties, and kind of really our brain is a predictor machine. So we're scanning forwards to avoid past trauma, whatever that trauma is. Okay. Um, and that's when we get stuck in those loops. Uh, but the work by the Flow Genome Project, I've trained with them and... Uh, so, so who are the Flow Genome Project? The Flow Genome yeah. Project uh, led... Um, by Jamie Wheel uh, okay. and was set up by Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler. Um, really their mission is to um, open source what is a flow state or what is a peak state in terms of biologically because okay. stereotypically it's it's a very fluffy subjective experience. <laughs> yeah and it's it's also a term that you hear all of the time and over the last five years so actually yeah this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about it <laughs> to actually understand what actually is it because I think it is very it's quite fluffy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, let me say the last two. So yeah, got, so sorry, the first two, yeah. Uh, so selflessness. Okay. Sense of you goes. Okay. Timelessness. Yep. Sense of time is distorted. Um, again, that prefrontal mind goes quiet. Okay. So we kind of get out of our own way. E is for effortlessness. So effortless effort. You're just doing. You're just kind of doing whatever you're doing. Um, that could be, and all of flow doesn't have to be a specific thing. It's It could be 
a walk in nature. It could be playing your favorite sport. It could be watching a film. It could be at a concert, it, a million different, reading a book, having a conversation. It's when that self goes quiet. E is effortlessness, you're just doing. And then okay. R is for richness. So information richness, um, innovation, creativity, insight. Um, there's a there's a rich kind of information layer that's accessible in these states. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's the signature. So flow, flow isn't necessarily then just for top athletes when they're performing at their best under pressure against a competitor where they feel like they're at the pinnacle of what they're doing. It can be something as simple as just reading a book and feeling in the moment doing it. Exactly that. So flow can be described as being in the moment, but it can also be described as when you lose the sense of time. So any of these things are described as flow. Yeah. I, when, I mean, the re, Mihaly, Csikszentmihalyi originally termed the word flow because these events just flow one into the next into the next. Okay. Um, but yeah, you, uh, you know, most gold medals are won in, in, in a flow state. Most creative innovation is, is in flow. Scientific breakthroughs are in flow. Okay. Um, where kind of you're allowed to just go. Like creativity is amped up massively in flow because our prefrontal mind is like the editor. Okay. When that goes quiet, we can start to link new ideas and it just comes through kind of like that. Yeah, it's interesting that flow can be such a... a Say so it's kind of a general term for a multitude of different things because surely all of those feelings aren't the same or does flow state suggest that actually they are all the same? Flow state is a non-ordinary state, an altered state to okay. our regular normal waking life. Um, the same as a peak, well, it's a peak state. So we're taking ourselves out of normal. Yeah. Um, to like flow or you've got awe, a sense of awe when you see nature or something you know like the milk if you've ever never ever seen the milky way yep. without light pollution you're like whoa um a psychedelic state it could be a trance it i was just be. about to say that to you so they're also regarded as flow uh, a peak state a, a non state. Uh, an altered state okay so where does um just something that's coming up here is smoking marijuana because that really shuts down the ability to or shuts down your over compulsive mind in some people that smoke marijuana is that a way of entering a flow state? Definitely. And I, and I think what's exciting now is that there's a, obviously in certain parts of the world now it's becoming legal and then you can start to research it, you know, America particularly, but there's huge research in Israel, um, Holland as well. But um, flow initiate, yeah, cannabis, our, our bodies are actually an endocannabinoid system. We might need you to delve into that. It's, it, yeah, our bodies yeah. are a what? We've got an endo kind of, an endocannabinoid system. Okay. So I've, I've got hay fever. Yeah, so yeah, no. So um, what does that actually mean though? So, so it's kind of like, uh, we're built to receive cannabinoids. So um, it's almost like a second immune system. So it creates, that's why medical marijuana is having such profound effects. Okay. Because it helps restore homeostasis in the body. It's a very natural thing. All of us have it. It's prevalent throughout so, the, so there's the scientific studies you're talking about are proving mm. that yes. all of us actually can benefit from having marijuana and is, is it a certain type of marijuana is it one of the one of the um because there's is it cpd and there's also cbd and thc is it both of them or one of them but both of them have, have benefits a, a really okay. great book to check out and the work by joe dolce it's called okay. brave new weed really okay. good book to read i'm really trying to break down the taboo on 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 plant medicine psychedelics you know that kind of stuff because if it's used in the right way yep. with the right purpose and right intention in the right setting you know profound healing so i think kind of it's important to say that it's not just about 
going to take these blindly. It's like, what's your intention? What's yeah. your purpose? But yeah, um, again, I don't know. I'm not an expert on this, mm. but I can say that, you know, certainly with regards to pain relief, inflammation, um, they're really, really having profound effects. And, and the more research that comes, the, the more prescriptive they can start to be. Yeah. And, and really that's, I guess that's a gray area at the moment. Whereas pharmaceuticals, you can have a very clear dosage. Yeah. This gives you this effect. It's not like that at the moment with cannabis, so, but, but that's coming. Yeah. Um, and I guess whilst we're on the search of plant medicine or cannabis, you've also got, um, so uh, a traditional, well, another traditional psychedelic, so uh, from magic mushroom, psilocybin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, psilocybin. Yeah, I was just literally just about to ask <laughs> you about that. Is being used, uh, and this is what an area that I'm really passionate about, um, is being used with terminally ill patients. Okay. Um, so out of Johns Hopkins University in America, Imperial College in London, they're just two massive institutions that are using this. And one guy in particular to check out is Professor Roland Griffiths. Okay. Um, having profound effects with with kind of 70 to 80% um, results or uh, effectiveness with regards to getting rid of anxiety and depression in the terminally ill. So their end of life mm. is, uh, they can then imp- just enjoy the rest of their life, however long that is, mm. um, with their families, without that angst mm. of the unknown of, of death, you know. So why are you so passionate about this specific? Um, I, so I guess the biggest turning point for me in my life, I lost my dad at 16, didn't process any of those informations and, and, and or information, that grief. And just carried that throughout my whole life. And I lost my mum to cancer nearly four years ago. Uh, and it was about a six month diagnosis to when she passed away. Okay. And, and, and you were close to your mum? Very really close. Okay. Yeah, really, yeah. really close. And, and what I'm so grateful for to have been able to have those conversations in those last weeks of just real conversations which I was terrified of having before and what could you could you talk yeah, what kind yeah. of conversations uh, were these? you know like uh just being open with my feelings you know in terms of how much I loved her what she thinks happens in the afterlife if we you know if and when you know when we die what happens and my mum was a nurse and and I hadn't given any myself I just hadn't given any of that any thought and then you just for me personally seeing death seeing my mum's mm. death which yeah. I'm so grateful to have been there and to mm. to have been there with her it, there's some you know to me it just the questions just start ringing in my head what is going on mm. in this life what happens mm. what is the point of this and it's just put me on this road of seeking searching for information um, and I, this is where I am right now in that mm. journey like four years on I'm kind of this is what's all this all this stuff coming up so Stoic philosophy is really heavily into imagining or thinking about your own death because actually when you recognize your own mortality, it actually enables you to demonstrate more empathy with people, to feel like you're connected with more people. And I also interviewed um, a consultant doctor here and he also talks about how when he's around death so much, it really makes him value his life more. Mm. Do you feel like because you came so close to death that it's it's almost given you a complete shift in how you view the world? Fundamental shift. Just uh, exactly that. I think thinking about my own death, because realising, you know, I'm about to die. And I think parents, you know, parents are kind of like the, these gods that, mm. you know, from a kid, you, you build them up, they're invincible. And then you see them die or they get ill and die. And it's like, wow. But yeah, my, my own it allows me to live life because I think most fear is you can trace that back to the fear of something going wrong and ultimately fear of death. But once yeah. you start to embrace that and it's not being morbid, it's just being realistic. And, yeah. and, and we are, it's the wonderful part of nature, you know, mm. and 
And that's what's got me so interested in, in asking these questions. I still ask them now and still mm. bring myself, my awareness to that because I think it's just benefited me so much. I was doing a course about four or five months ago and in a room full of people, there's one girl in there who was extremely good when you're speaking to her about being empathetic with you. Like she, you just felt that she understood you. And I asked a question into the whole room. Does anyone ever think or contemplate their own death? Can you put your hand up? She was the only person that put her hand up. And I found that super interesting. Cause it's like, there's a reason why she can connect with people so much is yeah. because she feels such, she's aware of her own mortality. So am I right in saying that that propelled and changed your life? And that's when you first became interested in the flow state. Is, is that yeah I stumbled into it I was just okay. I was drifting on the internet but my so my previous career was in elite sport so Olympic sport I was a strength and conditioning coach so I guess to summarize that uh, perform physical performance training so okay. prevention of injury rehab of injury um, performance training so improving physical qualities loads of different sports rugby football mainly acrobatic sports so British diving uh, park and pipes, so British ski and snowboard, a little bit of Cirque du Soleil. Um, and then I was in China for nearly, for a few years with their judo, their wow. judo squad and uh, diving squads and stuff. So really grateful for my career, amazing. So just just on that, actually, before we move on there, what were, what were the, the biggest lessons that you got from doing that? Because it sounds to me like you got a wide variety of experiences with some real high level athletes there. Was there something that differentiated the winner's from, from there was okay yes. yeah this, could, could we, let's talk about it what 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 did you notice very very the, much yeah, and, yeah. It, and i guess that does time into flow but things like um so the medalists the people who podium get on the measure versus you know the guys who who uh not always but typically in my experience um something like, like a self-authoring mindset so can have us in a seat of judgment they have perspective they're not stuck with previous identities they can move they can adapt they can change in sense of if a training method is not working, they, they're not tied to it. They can okay. leave it. So, th so they're very open-minded to, open to any form of change that might help them. Whereas other people were like clinging on to their Stuck. routine and, yes. and like almost like yeah. I can't deviate from this. Don't deviate. Yeah, yeah. Don't, and that, that was a big differentiator, the open-mindedness of the person to Massive. change. Massive. Okay. That's, that's, that's interesting. Massive. Very, very yeah. much so. Um, uh, high quality management of stress. Obviously, imagine you're stepping out in Olympic <laughs> final. You've got the audience there. You've got the people watching at home. You've got your moment in four years. Don't screw it up. You okay. know. Like <laughs> so so what, what were some of the ways that the, the top people manage their stress? Was it, we were talking about this before, but was it a holistic approach? Uh, hundred, uh, you, ca you, you can't be a world-class performer without, without having a, the big picture. And a big okay. picture being doing the simple things. There's no magic ingredient, I don't believe. Okay. Yes, they're highly skilled skill they've got a talent but everything has been in place for them and they've they've not left one stone unturned so they're process driven rather than goal outcome goal uh, focused in the sense of as long as their process is watertight they can only do their best in that final or in that competition or whatever they're doing so if your main result is, is based on okay i need to win this medal then how do you know you know if you, you could have been had the perfect run in and just someone on the better, you know, someone is just better on the day. And that's just the way life is. You can only control what you can control. So that's what I mean by process driven. Yeah. So actually that's, that's a real valuable lesson there because actually it's outside of your control, whether you can win or not. Yeah. That's, it really isn't in your control. So they would, they focus on their processes to get everything about their life as good as they can. 
and then the outcome is outside their control. So it's, again, that's a very much stoic philosophy. It's yeah. like, if it's in my control, I'll handle it. If not, forget about it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and then ultimately you can then enjoy the competition or the event or whatever. Do they? Uh, <laughs> or is it still too much stress and pressure? I think there's, again, my perspective looking in and, and the differences of, that they love competing. They love that feeling. They love that, that the nervousness. And when I mean high quality management of stress, and this ties into flow, they can manage their state. So their internal state, so they can calm, but they can also amp themselves up. And there's that very clear, you know, distinction between understanding what your state can do and using your stress response in a good way and calming when you need to. So you're not, you know, you're not just freaking out. Again, could control what you can control. Yeah, well, I want to talk to you in, in a bit about um, breath control. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the biggest things you learned was obviously that that people were um, open to change, yep. and that they were also process driven. Was yep. there any other lessons from the, the people that were on the podium compared to to the rest? Definitely, uh, they're always seeking feedback. They're always getting feedback in the sense of you know video feedback, feedback from the coaches. They're feeling themselves. They're very in tune, which links into very. Uh, linked mind and body connection, very strong mind okay. body connection. Um, again, we can go into that. Later. So, so they were they were they were craving feedback. This is an important question, though. Are were they receptive to feedback from? Because this is one of the things about seeking feedback. If you ask the wrong people that aren't skilled and specific enough with what they're telling you, everyone's got a different opinion. So is it they've got the right people around them? So getting the right feedback was easier for a pro athlete than what it might be day to day for most people. Yeah, there's. I mean. Because you have to then, if you want to get feedback, you have to exactly that. You have the right people that you trust, yeah. but also know that you're going to be getting feedback, uh, constructive feedback. It's not just uh, you know negative, or it's not just all positive. Like what what's the balance for you? What do you, how do you like to mm. hear your feedback? And I guess they're the details that are unpicked. You know, if you're if you're going to lay everything out on the table, how do you like your feedback? It's, mm. You know, you need to get it. Um, That's actually a really good question. Actually, I think if you're aware of what feedback works best for you. Because um, I typically, when I give feedback, I, I always spin it in a positive light. And occasionally someone says, just, you know, I would rather yeah, have it, you know, just just let me have it as completely as you see it. Don't, don't you know, don't beat around the bushes here. So that's interesting, being aware of how you like it. And then I guess you can tell your coach, listen, this is how to give me feedback. Mm. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So were there any others or was that the, the main the main yeah, things that you saw. Um, another one would be more so uh, high consequence, so an awareness of mortality. Um, kind of what we're talking about now, but like yeah. think, think you're a pro snowboarder. You know the guys going down slope style tracks. The their jumps are just massive, and there has to be. Uh, there's a balance and a, and a fine line, but an awareness of okay, understanding the risks of going on. I'm I'm prepared to accept these. Yeah. Versus, uh, just doing things you know, blindly and not, and not being aware of what's going on. And that ties into mind and body connection. Mm. You'll see, uh, uh, Billy Morgan, for example, on the team, he was the world's first to do, um, a trick called the quad cork. And there was a real process in building that trick up. And, okay. you know, the few days were like, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. On the day he did it, it was like, you know, trusting your instinct, trusting your training. And, and again, deviating the plan when necessary. The plan is just a roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. There are yeah. many different ways to get there. And, and um, just trusting your gut instinct and I guess linking to the gut and the body, you know, uh, Descartes, the French philosopher once said, um, I think therefore I am and yeah. kind of linked everything just from neck up. And really mm. we are a whole ecosystem, a whole unit. Yeah. And the work by Zach Bush, 
you know, the gut is a primary decision maker, meaning that there's communication between the gut and the brain. For every 10 bits of information, nine are going upwards. The heart, again, is communicating with the brain, both in a two-way relay, emotions, intuition, that kind of stuff. So the, your gut and your brain are producing huge physiological signals to tell you, make, help you uh, make a decision. Uh, serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter in the brain, 90% is producing the gut lining. And so, you know, to, to listen to this and... Yeah, so do you, do you feel like a lot of people don't listen to their intuition and to their gut instinct and they, they would rather go with a rational choice even though they've got a gut feeling to do something else? Yeah, I, I think and that ties into flow, the inner critic, the rational, log, logical, rational thinking mind. It's crucial. Mm. But I think instinct, the way I, the way I use it I, anyway, uh, big decisions are made through feeling, okay. fine-tuning through, through a mind. And, and I think those big decisions, I think, again, there's a fear of making the wrong decision. Yeah, there is. What is the wrong decision? You know, I, I think we're all on a journey, we're all on a path, and um, even if the decision in the, in the short term is painful, is uncomfortable, whether that's leaving a relationship that's not right, mm. or you're making a, deci- a business decision, or a million different things, you mm. know? But I, I think... Where does that get you in the future? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you kind of have a have perspective and, yeah. and try as hard as it is, I know. Yeah. And, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. Um, over the years um, of running your own business, you you have times where, where you follow what other people are suggesting and it, and it goes right or it goes wrong. But ultimately, what I've learned is to do what I think I should be doing. And if it goes wrong, I then learn that lesson. Because it's okay. It's one of the things about having role models. A lot of people, they're heavily promoted about having... You know, you need these role models, you need these role models, they save you time. Actually, I'm not convinced they do because mm. you still need to go through the process of learning yourself. And actually, you need to make the mistakes yourself. So going to what you were saying, it, I do find that that true. Actually, you do have to go with your own intuition as opposed to being rational with these things. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, so you went from being a performance coach and then you had this situation with your mum and it made you look at the world differently. And you then made a decision what search for different types of answers so you ask yourself different questions all the time yeah so how did your thinking change what types of questions did you begin to ask yourself after your mum passed away what is this life about what's the purpose so very deep philosophical questions yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. okay And, and to also think i mean having worked in china you know and i love you know asia it's amazing place amazing amazing place um you start to see they they live life their philosophy of life is different and okay. and I start to bring my awareness to that and and then I started to read you know I, I was very interested in death very interested in consciousness this has just grown I've not tried to do this it's just grown and and you know and then you start to I started to read different philosophies you know Buddhist philosophies Hindu philosophies okay. um, and I and it's just like these people spend their whole life in a totally different context to the, how I was living my life. And I think in the West, uh, you know, we're very material. We're very driven by external. We're very driven. We need to have, the, you know, we're sold. We need to have this car to make us happy or this thing to make us successful. When really, you know, the Eastern philosophy is very internal, like mm. understanding your internal world, coming to grips with it. Um, you know, meditation mindfulness is 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 through. You know, is is getting great population now, uh, popularity now. Sorry, um, and that put me on that kind of road and started to investigate just their just their beliefs and their and uh, mm. I wouldn't say I'm you know I'm not strongly identified. I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not a Hindu, okay. but I definitely value the way they look at life. Um, and you know, 
yeah and it's just put me onto more and more different people the way I read and I also link it to science and I think that's coming back to the psychedelic research especially with Roland Griffiths it's just very interesting now the science is meeting yeah spirituality yeah. and I and I, I really love that mm. I really love it so you feel like nowadays there's more scientific underpinning of things that the eastern world known about for thousands of thousands years thousands of years and now the western world can say actually we can scientifically prove that which fits in with the model that most people view the world in in the west yeah um it's also interesting that you also but well reading between the lines you believe that the capitalist society in the west breeds discontent by giving the wrong picture of success whereas yeah. in the east it's more about actually success or, or, or happiness all comes from within it's so, not external totally yeah so did you find yourself when you start um becoming aware because i think the first step towards changing is is learning and being open to it so you had this situation happen you then became open and yeah. probably realized oh <laughs> i've been looking at the world through very narrow-minded lens probably because the influences in your life hadn't allowed you to be more open-minded so this mm. situation propelled you to actually look at things on a wider perspective and is that where you first stumbled upon or became aware of a flow state was it through meditation was it through reading or just general um just your general experiences just through reading coming across uh that w what was amazing about it is I started to read about it and came across the flow genome project and they, they were describing experiences that I had and I and it was kind of like you're in my it was almost like you're in my what, head how what, do you what, what kind of experience is it if you can, um yeah. I guess you know thinking of flow and I, the listeners you know um to me flow is very much in physical activity or was in physical okay. activity so you're losing yourself I play cricket to a reasonably decent standard but sport in general then I did a few ski seasons and snowboarding being in nature just this deep feeling of presence deep feeling of awe and this f freedom, freedom of mind. Um, before stumbling on this, I guess it's important to say, I, I was a very closed individual. Uh, I used to think I was very open, but you know, and this moment in China, I remember I, remember I was living in Shanghai and earning good money and, and everything like that. And, and I remember thinking, oh, I'm sorted. Really, I was the furthest point I was from being sorted in terms of emotionally, the way yeah. I connected with people. Um, and just losing my mum and this whole process has just stripped all of that back, thankfully. Mm. Um, but yeah, flow really is just, is where life makes sense, I would say. <laughs> in, in, how often do you feel in a state of flow on a day-to-day -day basis? Is it something that you can force to make happen? Okay, or is it something that's more, if you set up the correct environment, it's more likely to happen. Is that is that the case? Yeah, you set up the right environment. And, and think flow, non, you know, flow state can be on a micro level, it can be through to a macro level. So a micro level being, the way I see this, and certainly in my life, the days are just, you're just fluid. You're just fluid, things are ticking along. You're in, you're just noticing the day, beautiful day, like the green lights might be flying, you know, that's out of your control. But you're, the way you're dealing with your the external world is just very, um, just easy. You're just easy gliding through it, you know. Um, and then you can go through all the way to macro, like the profound life-changing experiences and really flow states or peak states. That's where, again, I've got a huge interest. Um, and it's about, certainly from, I guess, a really good book to check out is Stealing Fire and understanding that you can have flow on a daily, weekly, monthly, seasonal, and annual basis. So you can, you can kind of set up the environment 
yeah. to try and plan for that a little bit more. So I guess to set up, you've got the internal environment you need to set up, but also your external environment. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite getting the, because I can see when you were talking about it, you were remembering it like it's there. I'm not quite getting a deep enough understanding by exactly what you mean by flow. Okay. So in my life, there's been times, for example, where I go running and then I'll hit like a runner's peak. And what will happen is, I'll be able to just run as fast as I can for what feels like a lifetime. Is that a flow state? Yeah. Uh, yes. When you're, you're, you know, your sense of time is, you're just a sense of happiness. There's a freedom. Yeah. Okay. You're, you, you're maybe, again, answer for me, like I do a road cycle, like road cycling, if I'm working or something. Um, let's talk about the cycle. Like I suppose you need struggle to initiate flow. Okay. So the, the task has to be difficult enough for you to engage in. And, you know, if you're, for example, if you're too, if it's too easy, you're bored, you switch okay. off, disengage. If it's too hard, yep. you can't see progression. So again, you switch off. So there's a sweet spot you need to be in, whether that's ah, okay. work, whatever thing you're doing. So you need to be challenged just yes. outside of your comfort zone, yes. but where you believe that you can achieve that, that target. Yes. And that is one of the precursors that allows you to enter a flow state. Yeah. What about um, when you're just reading a book and you go into a flow state? Does that have to be a challenging book or can it be a romance novel that you're really into? Whatever your, there's a letting go. So the next stage is letting go, uh, where you're, you're, you just give in to the process you're just doing. Now, okay. I guess a book is on a, on a small scale. Yeah. You know, if you're hooked in a book is, you know, you're just totally in that present yeah. moment, the effort to pick up, to make the time to do it, to sit okay. down. Um, then you're in a flow state. And then you've got the recovery. So there are three points to the, the okay. cycle you can influence. You've right. got struggle. Yep. You've got letting go. And you've got recovery phase. You can't really do anything. You can't say, I'm going to get into flow now. Um, What's the recovery stage? So optimizing sleep, optimizing nutrition, okay. um, making sure that they're, you know, you're well hydrated, you're well recovered. Because if you're fatigued, if you're, you know, lacking sleep, the research is so thick now. I know, cognition goes down and all mm. that kind of stuff. It's harder to access. And, guess going to a bit deeper not to overcomplicate things but thinking of a flow state or a peak state so you have the neurotransmitters in the in the brain ser uh, serotonin oxytocin dopamine amandamide for example nitric oxide um they're the kind of pleasure they're like the, the six most addictive neurochemicals we ha we can ac access to they all come okay. online at pretty much the same time you then got brain waves Sorry, is this, this is in a flow state yes so when you're in a state of flow all these start to line up. Okay. Yeah, if you carry on, I've got questions. But yeah, so the next thing was you were saying the neurotransmitters. So neurotransmitters. Okay. Um, so that's them. And then you've got brain waves. Okay. So brain waves being, uh, brains give off a wave. And that's kind of what you they, people measure in brain scans and that kind of stuff. And um, and so you've got beta, high beta, which is agitated. Imagine on a, a stock, stock market kind of line okay. where we're paying attention, we're alert. The prefrontal mind is highly active. We're taking information, we're processing. Then we go down to alpha. So alpha is starting to calm, then theta, then delta. Delta being, we, we access delta in deep REM sleep. So okay. the sleep cycle is about an hour and a half. And at the deepest point, we're accessing delta, delta waves. You've also got gamma waves. And gamma waves are very, very agitated uh, brain waves. But that's the signature of a peak state, a non-ordinary state at its strongest. Okay. Um, Buddhist monks get into that or psychedelic states, for example. Work by Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe yeah, Dispenza. Yeah, yeah. You, didn't you go to a weekend yeah, of his? Mind was it good? Blowing, yeah. Really? Yeah. What, really. Did, what, was, what, what, did, what did you... Just putting science to, again, to a non-ordinary yeah, yeah. state and, and uh, the mechanism
mechanism, the, the, the biology of that. So you've yeah. got brain waves, heart waves, like putting brain and heart in sync. Yeah. So there's a resonance. Um, is the signature, biological signature to these states. How come um, backing up scientifically is so important to you? Yeah, it is. I mean, my my career was evidence based, science, science okay. evidence based. What I'm, what I love now is allowing new things in and not judging them if they haven't got research, and I think okay. that's crucial. Whereas before, I was blinkered. Okay, very, yeah, I, really, I was very. Yeah. So, but you still you're still holding on to that scientific based thing a little bit because yeah, is, is it because you feel like, you know, it, this stuff sounds great, but it needs to be scientifically tested and and worked out, and we need to understand why. I think, yeah, understand why. I, I think for me, in terms of, I find it interesting to know what's going on in my body. Okay. And I think just explaining it to, to people who are not, I'm totally bought into it. Yeah. It's just that. But why does, why, so when you understand the science, how does that help you? So say for example, you know what it's like to be in a flow state. Mm. Why does understanding the science add to that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for me personally, it's, it's to know that I can, I'm in control of the knobs and levers of my biology. Uh, okay. And I, the way I explain it to people as well, like we can take control of our biology. Um, and I give you, there's a really cool piece of research. So the Assade Business School, I don't know if you heard of them, um, but in Barcelona, I think they are, they did a study of 150 students and they're looking at uh, the um, physiological predictors of leadership. Okay. And they looked at biomarkers. So they looked at brainwave activity, QEEG, okay. and they looked at heart rate variability and heart coherence. Okay. Just looked at those, those markers. This is uh, very scientific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah very exact. So I got um, yeah. And so what they found with emergent leaders, um, and I'll come to why I'm saying this, uh, what they found with emergent leaders is that um, that not only could they regulate their own nervous system so they could break, calm themselves down more, they... Um, the rest of their group, they've got the group to resonate with them on a physiological basis. Wow. Which is kind of, it shows to me and, and it helps me explain to people that we need, like if we start to pay attention yeah. to our biology and what's going on, is our heart wave at coherence? You know, what's our, our breath pattern doing? What's our, our biology doing? It doesn't matter what the external world is. We can take mm. control. So this is, I, I think I'm beginning to understand how, how you're viewing this. It's like a set of tools. Yeah. So, because you have the science behind it, it's like, okay, if I understand what my breath's doing, my breath's doing this. Okay, if I alter my breath to this, then I'm going to feel like that. So it's almost like driving your body better yes. because you're more aware of how to do it. It's almost like a driving instructor coming along and saying, look, if you want to do this, do this. So can we, I'm going to need an example because I understand what you're saying, but I haven't experienced what you're saying. So I know that you're um, into and learning more about breath work. Um, as a way of altering your state and it's one of the main reasons why I wanted to get you on to talk about this because I've done 10 years of meditation as we were talking about before um, breath work I probably do some naturally just because of the meditation but I'm not aware of any techniques or any methods of breathing so could you help me yeah. out a little bit <laughs> yeah I mean, breath breath is it sounds counterintuitive to talk about breath but mm. breath is oh, it's so incredible. The more I learn about it, the more it's amazing. So I think it's important to say that breath can can help in an anxiety attack, bring you back to the present moment. It okay. can also take you all the way through to an altered state, um, a very heavy, strong, healing altered state. So I think it's uh, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, if you can get to altered state, so what? 
Yeah, I was going to say, what do you mean by an altered state? Yeah, just and, so and then we'll come back to breath. Because yeah, I mean, yeah. altered state, so what? By an alter, alter, you know, an altered state, so what? If you can access it, but the research again, linking to the research. Yeah. But my own, my own experiential evidence of what I've been through with these. You know, I, I've taken plant medicine, um, ayahuasca, yeah. and you know. I was going to talk to you about ayahuasca. So you've actually three you, three sessions, yeah, with an expert Charm, alongside yeah. you. Okay, um, and psilocybin some mushrooms and and various forms of cannabis and breath work and you know what's starting to come from me is that however you whatever vehicle you choose you're accessing a similar okay. experience so whether it's psilocybin whether it's ayahuasca yes. or breath yeah. they all lead to the same yes and that's similar. your because you've done all three yeah you can say that the experiences are are all I wouldn't say they're not exactly the same, but they're taking you to different realms. Okay. And those realms, in my experience, um, have similar terrain. Okay. And, you know, that's, I guess it's very subjective. So it's yeah. not for me to to say what is and what isn't. But in my experience, these, these experiences have been exceptionally healing in the sense of allowing me to process uh, emotions that I've got held up inside of me um, that I, I can't even some that I wasn't even aware of yeah. and then others that I know I've got, but I just couldn't let go yeah. psychologically, cognitively. And I think that's coming, I guess coming back to monitoring your body. Yeah. Psycholo psychology is amazing and cognition and all that kind of stuff, but it, it's very hard to sort out problems. It takes a long time to sort out mm. problems from a cognitive point yeah. of view. Whereas an emotional, energetically, these realms, these experiences offer huge healing. And that's where, um, linking to an organization called MAPS or Hefter Research Institute, people with post-traumatic stress are being cured. Yeah, I was, I was reading about MDMA. that recently. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the value of altered states is that it gives you perspective. It takes you out of your, behind your eyes and it gives you perspective. Irrelevant, you know, wherever that those realms yeah. are, that's not for me to, it's for your own experience to have, but um, they have offer such healing and uh, yeah, that's where the research is going. So it's, it's like, a, it's the doorway to, yes. a, to an altered state. Yes. Let's talk about ayahuasca. Yep. Um, I know a lot about ayahuasca. Uh, I've never personally done it, but I love the research and I love um, the idea of it. Now you've actually gone and, and done it and you've done three sessions. Mm. Uh, from my understanding of it, it almost feels like a, a death and a rebirth um, experience. Could you, could you talk about the actual experience of, mm. you know, what it was like to actually do it? Because a lot of people say it's very scary to actually do it. And then how you felt afterwards in the long term, because actually, you know, in the short term, that's okay. But actually from what you've said, it's actually impacting you much further down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And then that ties in again, ties into, it's all well and good getting these states and yeah. the ayahuasca or psilocybin or, or breath. But if you keep chasing that state, yeah. You need to bring it back. What are your learnings from it? And then get it into your life. So I guess that's why I'm going to preempt that because not yeah, to say yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and get it. But, um, so yeah, leading up to ayahuasca, I, I'd watched a documentary called um, DMT, the Spirit Molecule. Okay. Um, and obviously, Mama died, and I was just, what is this going on? And I just started to read about um, uh, ayahuasca through someone called uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, mm. uh, amazing guy, amazing. Uh, he specialised in trauma, addiction, and trauma, and he set up uh, a clinic where he was treating addicts, drug addicts, with ayahuasca and ibogaine as well. I think it was. I was just fascinated with it. And, and it, I came about very organically. Um, a shaman that I'd met um, was kind of, it was the right time, right place. And um, yeah, I was terrified because, you know, your psyche 
there's some things that are locked yeah. away you know and yeah, yeah. is it going to be a i think it could be a, an amazing experience it could be a terrifying experience irrelevant if you've got the right support it's a healing experience absolutely and you you know so you booked on where did yep. you go and do it in south america this is in thailand actually. In, you're in yeah. thailand okay well, i didn't shamans are everywhere like, yeah this is, I, this is I, I thought ayahuasca but, was a plant from south america yes but actually but they they can do the healing he brought the flower plant okay. with him yeah um, yeah okay yeah that's he, interesting he's got an amazing farm that he, he grows yeah, it. Yeah. and it's a combination of a leaf and a vine okay so it's not it, and, and it's everywhere it's in dmt mm. which is the active ingredient mm. dimethyltryptamine yeah is in everything yeah. um and it's just the combination of the leaf and the vine that brings it to life and so um yeah what was your question just just yeah. um speaking out loud there's something i mean I, I interview a lot of people but there's something um about speaking to you where you, you almost feel like there's you, you almost have this overall like you're taking in more and you're more relaxed than a lot of people that i interview is that <laughs> a change in you that you're aware of were you more you know on on the nose before whereas now you're more relaxed and and taking things in and more in tune basically definitely more in tune i was yeah. trying to i was trying to do things before to please people okay. to do what i think i should do rather than doing what i speak for my truth and i think that's the biggest thing that's changed about me from from losing my mum till now and every, all the experiences I've been through is speak from your truth, speak from your heart yeah. and trust you. Yeah. And know that if you've got the right intention, then, then you know, that's the only way to be. Be truthful Can to you. Can you talk about the intention and being truthful to yourself? The intention being, you know, just... Uh, just share what your truth is, your passion, your your... Be kind to people. Um, you know, one one of the tools I use, I've kind of learned really and used with people I work with now, clients, is do you want to be effective or do you want to be right? And kind of understanding like when you're listening to someone or you're trying to get a, you're in a discussion, like what's going on there? Can yeah. You know, another yeah, one is yeah. understanding the victim, the drama triangle, or the empowerment dynamic. So most of us operate from a victim, rescue or persecutor role. So victim, this happened to me. I can't believe that happened. Rescue okay. is, oh, I can't believe that happened to you. You know, don't worry, it'll be all right. What can I do to help? Rather than just speaking your truth. And I think speaking your truth sometimes means that someone else might be upset. As long as you do it from a place of kindness and a place of love, it's better in the long run. Yeah. Um, but I, I think in general, just speaking from your truth, like what do you believe in? What do you want to do? Mm. Do you want to, are you living your life to please other people or to mm. do what you feel you should do rather than just unlocking that and just going for what you want? But you, if you wind back the clock before um, your, your paradigm shift, you probably thought that you were doing that. I, yes and no. So what I'm trying to get is, how, how do you know you're doing it as opposed to thinking you're doing it? Because when you're like 15 years, however many years ago, I'm sure if someone said that to you, you'd have said, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm following my truth. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it is something that you hear pretty well. I mean, I'm a coach as well. Every coach will tell you that. They'll all say, live your truth, do it the way you want to do. Now, I believe you when you say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really believe that you're, you're vocalizing and articulating how you feel. But what's the difference between that and, and that 15 then. years ago yeah um I, I can only talk from my experience in my my world but kind of working in pro sport obviously in this hindsight I look back but pro sport was a shield for me in the sense of you know if you're working with a olympic athlete a medalist or whatever there's a shield that goes around there was a shield that went around me because the moment you say what you do they're like wow you know people are like oh wow wow and it, and it detracts like that person's success is kind of is, is is 
reflected on you wrongfully in a way. Ah, because, okay. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so it's like you get status. I, I don't yeah, have yeah. to say my stuff. I can keep my stuff hidden mm. because that's what I look like on the outside, the veneer. There's a veneer there. And, yeah, yeah. And um, I think realizing like, you know, if you can, I think coming back to you, what's going on, your awareness, what are your thoughts? What's, is it an ego driven, which is a, a skill to develop and yeah. nurture or is it a, this is what I feel is right. This is what feels right. So I'm all right in saying then, even though years ago you you would have, you know, perhaps articulated to the world that yes, I'm following it in my truth. You knew that you weren't. There was something inside you where you, you thought, no. I th- I, you know, I was following a passion. Definitely, I was passionate about okay. sport and making a difference. But what was always nagging is there was always this nagging, not quite satisfied, not quite satisfied. It okay. was just here, my pit, yeah. my stomach. And yeah. I was loving, loving the work and it traveled in the world and that kind of stuff. But there was a, this con- the, the irrelevant of every environment I went in. It was still this nagging. Oh, it's not quite enough. It's not quite enough. Yeah. There's something not, you know, what's next? What's next? What's next? And I think you could tune into that. Yeah. So if you were feeling that right now, that feeling that you just brought up, how would you get, can you get rid of it through breath? I would probably bring myself to my awareness of, yeah, just bring it to a place of peace. How, how would you okay. do that? All right. So, <laughs> so, so say, say yeah, I'm feeling like yeah. that. Yeah. Say I'm feeling like, I, you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. You know, there's this veneer around me and I'm uncomfortable. Is there something with breath that you could do? Firstly, to breathe into it to, you know, emotions get held up in breath work okay. and in the way you breathe and the way you hold your body, just to breathe into that, that worry, breathe into it. Like, don't worry about the veneer, just breathe into what you just breathe normally. What does that mean? So say like I've got an uncomfortable feeling here in my stomach and breathe into it means breathe through your nose, breathe through your mouth. What, what, what do you yeah. do? It um, doesn't matter. So being aware that, so di- the diaphragm is one of the major muscles that we use. Okay. Um, uh, really great work at Stanford by someone called Brian McKenzie and Dr. Andrew Huberman. Okay. If you're interested to go and check this out on power, speed, endurance. But um, but linking to the diaphragm, the diaphragm is a major breathing muscle. So if your posture is round, if yep. you're chest breathing, for example, that's a, that's a that's a that's a short, Absolutely. shallow yeah, breath. Yeah, that's yeah. an anxious type of breathing pattern. So first of all, you want to tune into your diaphragm. What's going on? It's not just about going out. It's about expanding. So a little bit lower down and the seat I'm in now is not ideal for breathing because I'm kind of curved yeah, around yeah. it, but you want to sit up straight. So your spine is nice and neutral. Yep. And just imagine like just, you're just expanding, not don't force it. You're just breathing in through your nose and breathe, and then just exhale and let that go kind of rather yeah, yeah. than forcing it. How much of that though is the breath affecting your body or just twitching your focus? Because if I, if I'm focusing on being anxious and worried and I switch my focus to that, mm. switching the focus in itself is cathartic what does the breath actually do does it change the chemicals in your body does it change the oxygen does it oxygenate you is there Mm. is there some science on that or Mm. yeah so thinking of biology again tuning back into body so you've got the brain one of the major nerves is the vagus nerve so the vagus nerve is from the brain through the heart okay into the gut uh, onto the root, down to the root, sorry. So it's it's kind of, it's like the thermostat to our body. It tells the brain how to feel. Okay. So by using diaphragm breathing, proper breathing, proper mechanics, the diaphragm is, is then improving the tone of the vagus nerve, which then is telling the brain everything's all right, down-regulate nervous system. Okay. And that's from taking more oxygen in? Um, you're just, the way you're breathing, a controlled breath in, and then particularly a controlled exhale, about seven seconds or above. So se- seven-second breathing, is yes. that the, So you breathe in for seven? Four seconds, yeah. Out for seven? I'd say breathe in four, hold for seven, exhale okay. for eight. So four, seven, eight. Okay, so four, seven, so there we get that. So it's breathe in for four. Yep. Hold for seven. Yep. 
and out for eight. Perfect. What does the holding bit do? <laughs> so again, from the research of, from uh, Brian McKenzie and, and Dr. Andrew Huberman. Yeah, yeah. The inhale is a sympathetic kind of response. So sympathetic response being stress. So fight, flight, freeze. And okay. it's, it's not like one or the other. There's a tone. Mm -hmm. So uh, stress hormones released, heart rate increases, blood pressure increases. We're getting ready for action. So without action is to run or, you know, you're, you're, Biology doesn't know what's a bad email versus what's a danger, theoretically. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of Same stress response yeah. in your body, yeah. Um, so inhale is a, is a mild stress response, but the inhale hold yep. and the controlled exhale seven seconds or more is a parasympathetic tone shift. So it puts, it's starting to put the body, okay, down, regulate that nervous response, calming so, response. So that would be a powerful tool if you're feeling anxious to calm your nervous system. So any form of anxiety or panic attacks, anything like that, Perfect. that's an effective way of breathing. Yeah very much so tuning into what your body is doing yeah um again linking to something else i use like does it inform you yeah or does it affect you does the situation affect your yeah body you know and you can tune into your body again bring yeah. awareness to your body mm. if you're short shallow breaths if you're chest breathing if you're like you know you're starting to then just tune into breath nasal breathing again from that research okay switches us into a parasympathetic state so you should breathe in through your nose yeah and out through your nose Okay, nasal so breathing. for that, so nasal breathing. Yes, a lot yes. of yogas suggest in through your nose and out through your mouth. Yep, yeah, um, or well, in I think both sometimes. Both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. From my experience of it, yeah. Okay. That's obviously there's multiple different teachers of yoga. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, but I would say kind of what, again what the yogas and mystics have said for thousands of years, science is now underpinning. So nasal mm. breathing is a calming response. Yeah, just so just even just switching Perfect. a very simple tool, just breathe through your nose and it should calm you down a little yeah. bit. And we know this from exercise, because when you're exercising and you're breathing through your mouth when you're knackered, as soon as you start breathing through your nose, you calm yourself down immediately. Yeah. Um, now, I've got a question regarding um, a flow state. So in doing my research for this episode, someone was suggesting that the flow state is simply the body's way of dealing with a flight or fight response in a way that just eradicates everything that's non-essential. So really all the flow state is, is this is a high stress situation. And to deal with this, we're going to get rid of everything that's non-relevant. Okay. Yeah. Is that a fair representation or is that an incorrect? Uh, yes. It's more an efficient efficiency exchange. Um, that's all right. It's an efficient efficiency exchange. So hence, you know, if you're, I guess the, there's a really good book called Rise of Superman. If you're using the action sport athletes as, yeah. a, as a case study to understand flow state, they're having to access a state of mind where they need to make decisions before they've even thought about their decisions. So logical thinking mind has to go out of the way. Uh, um, and you're just trusting intuition. So go yeah, that's interesting then. So, because have you um, heard of Daniel Kahneman thinking fast and thinking slow? Yeah. yeah so he I've talks about, about yeah. yeah. So he talks about having two two parts of your uh, two systems. So system one is the autopilot response. System two is the more rational, longer term approach. Where does, in your experience, where does the flow sit? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a flow to, to me, if, the more flow you get, the, you know, the more flow you get. So you're so you're you're accessing. A state of, and again, in my experience, a state of being where you're just peaceful, happy, okay, completely content. Yeah, um, it's not related to money. It's not related to anything like that. There's a complete contentness of the okay. uh, the activity that you're doing. Um, now, you know, logical, rational thinking mind is is really crucial, and it's it's important. It's not it's not the you know the devil, but it's at the same time, it's there's no off switch. Okay, um, so that needs to be switched off 
to yeah, enter or go into quieter. the flow state. Yeah, yeah. Which is why like meditative practices are Perfect. really good ways of entering into a flow state. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, are there any? I mean, I was talking to I interviewed Matt Dickens, who, who I know you know, and he he was talking about one minute meditations that he does in his day to day life, uh, which I found super interesting actually. Are there any? Um, quick ways that you personally use to enter a meditative state or was it the breathing exercise that you just you just told me is there any other way of doing it um i mean in terms of you know a meditative state for me what was once upon a time was just how can you my mind was so quick but i think yeah breath breathing pattern um you know certainly in the in the realms of uh, a faster breathing pattern and I, i'm not going to you know, I'm not going to demonstrate that that because I, yeah. I think what's crucial is to understand that you can downregulate. Okay. Kind of like using four seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, breathing patterns can access a state pretty quickly now that um, that gets me into a state where you know probably more alpha, theta brainwaves, and I'm calmer and I'm just more peaceful and I can I can have an experience of peace. That's the best way to describe it. So the flow state is really about being in a in a calm state. It's it's not yeah. because I kind of I think I'm beginning to really see the picture you're painting here. So even in a ultra stressful situation, the Olympics and it's the swimming final, and you're out with all these people, and there's ultimate pressure in you. The flow state is where all the pressure's gone. Yes, and you're just let go. There. You've let go of your expectations of everything, and you're just in. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. So would you say then that the the highest level of flow comes with 10,000 hours practice and experience. It doesn't. Okay. No. Does it come from being tested at a world-class level or is it just testing yourself on the level that you're at? So the, what I mean by that is someone who's performing um, on the 100 meter final, as opposed to me playing someone at squash that's slightly better at me, is their access of flow going to be at a higher level than mine or can we both access the same feeling? That's the beautiful thing about this. It's, it, all of us it's, all of us can access this state. Okay. You haven't got to be a high performer in whatever world. Like, and that's, again, what drew me to it and what I love teaching about it is that we can all access this state. We can all get out of our minds, you know, in the sense of quiet in the, ne the internal negative chatter and we can enjoy these feelings of, of just, um, just peace and 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 fulfillment in that moment like okay. that, that's how it is to me and I, you don't it's a really good thing you brought up. you don't have to be an elite performer so all of can, us have right so anyway so the other just picking up on what you're saying there what happens if your internal dialogue isn't negative because i think something that you've discussed here is that you were you know you get away from the pain of, of the rational thinking brain what if that's not painful for you what mm. if you've actually learn to channel that mm. and control it where would the flow state come in in that regard because i guess there's the reason why i'm asking this is because there's times where the rational brain brain is extremely useful um problem solving for example although you're probably going to tell me that if you do that in a flow state you can do it better <laughs> i'd probably say that, that like when you're when you're really in the in the thrux of solving that problem you're yep. probably in a flow state in the sense of kind of like... Uh, so, so you can be in a flow state with your rational brain. Very much. I, I would say, you know, you know, if you're, you know, you, you could be sat down on, on a computer or whatever your problem you're trying to sort out, that, yeah. that is involving creativity. That is involving new thoughts. How am I going to get around this? And okay. to me, the, the prefrontal mind or the, the, the logical, rational thinking mind, sometimes you have to 
mean, Einstein said you can't solve a problem from the same level it was created. Mm. And when you're problem solving mm. effectively, you're probably in a flow state. So are you, are you suggesting that flow state allows you to access lateral thinking? Yes, very much. Okay. Linking to one of the neurotransmitters, Amanda Meyer. So that prompts lateral thinking. And think in creativity or, or new ways of thinking, the prefrontal mind is like an editor on that. So quite, when that goes off, yeah. freedom of thoughts come through and then you come back to the idea and then, then kind of tidy up with your logical mind. But you know, if you're thinking of an idea and think, oh no, that's stupid, oh no, that's stupid. Okay. Then that's an example of, yeah. okay, quiet that and just bring whatever, what's just coming out, just bring come out. So sleep's definitely a big part of this. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm uh, actually trying to get a, a psychiatrist who specializes in sleep to come on, on the show for right. an interview. I can tell you, understand the research or, or, from my understanding, it's seven to nine hours sleep a night. Um, and, it needs to be, um, you know, uninterrupted sleep. Alcohol and marijuana actually prevent you from accessing REM sleep, mm-hmm. which is actually detrimental to, to getting the, the deeper levels of sleep. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the, the, the part of sleep that plays to, to just general life and also flow? Is there? Yeah. One, well, one thing I learned at the weekend, or again, it'd be interesting to, to bring this up to yeah. the um, sleep expert you bring on. But Joe Dispenza was, uh, he was saying, you know, the seven to eight hours, that's, that's not crucial. Delta wave activity is crucial. Okay. So however you access that delta wave activity to the brain, yeah. that's restorative for us. So it's not just a, a cookie cutter seven to eight hours. Now, it'll be interesting to hear what, you, what that's he int- says about that's that. That's interesting. So the delta waves are what you get when, you, when you're in REM very, sleep. Yeah, very deep sleep, yeah. So, okay, following on from that then, was he suggesting a way that you can get three hours sleep via delta waves? Yeah, well, not even sleep, more practices, breathing practices and kind of... I guess it's not, it's for the audience to go and kind of yeah, research yeah. him. But, so, but he believed that you don't necessarily need to get seven to eight hours, but, but through breathing, you could get less sleep than that. It's more, yeah, it's more the delta wave activity that we wow. need. It's not just by being fast asleep. Because you can have, you yeah. can have seven hours sleep and not go into delta. Like you said, if you're drinking yeah, yeah. or whatever. Have you, um, have you managed to try this yet? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, so I'm meditating now, like pretty much half five every morning for an hour since being at Joe Dispenza. Now I've, I've always... I've meditated with my wife for a long time, but we've mainly done it in the evenings. Okay. And I, I would say that's one thing to do before bed, like one prep. Like, are you looking at your phone before you go yeah. to sleep? Yeah. Are you looking at your phone when you wake yeah. up? Get rid of that. Yeah. And, and I would say protect the, you know, at least two hours, but yeah. the last hour before you go to sleep, no screens or like an hour and a half, like connect with your partner if you're living yeah. with someone or your friend if you're living with someone or, you know, read a book or do some nice restorative movement, yeah. nothing hard, just a bit of mobility work. And then clean your teeth, everything, and then do some breathing. Okay. Four, seven, eight, for example. Four, do, seven, just eight. do 10 minutes of four, seven, eight, and then go to bed with lights off. Mm. Because if you're looking at your phone, your brainwave is high active, high yeah. beta. And again, if you're thinking of trying to get down to delta, then if you're starting at high, high beta, then it's going to take you longer to get into that or your first sleep cycle might not reach it. Yeah. Rather than if you're preparing and you, you can get yourself down into alpha. And you're not going to know this, but no, a of practice of yeah. mindfulness, uh, of, of breathing will help. Yeah. You know, the same as we warm up before exercise. Yeah, you're setting yourself up. The environment is better for you to get restorative yeah. sleep. Because I think we all have the experience of sometimes we wake up and we feel ultra refreshed. Yeah. And other times you wake up and you're knackered. I would, <laughs> I, like, I would say, make, again, yeah. tie that into your expert, but the tie your your alarm in that you're using an alarm clock not yeah yeah phone. yeah but um in like hour and a half blocks so either three hours you know four and a half or 
six hours or seven and a half hours because you're thinking of that sleep cycle, 90 minutes. Yep. You want to come in and then out and you want to be waking up at the end of that Around cycle because you're lighter asleep and you're, yeah, you'll wake yeah. up more fresh. And, and obviously if you can wake up naturally, obviously Perfect. that's, that's yeah. the holy grail. So um, Rich, just to, just to finish up the interview, I just wanted to know what does flow mean to you? Flow means to me, it gives me a richer experience of life peak states and it allows me to take a step out of my stories and my um my in my narrative and it gives me perspective and you know whether i'm on the on the downs with my family whether i'm on my bike going down the beacon at 45 miles an hour whether i'm doing some breathing practice that's given me access to a, a different experience those moments give me access to something more. Or sea swimming, you know, cold water immersion. It puts me into the present moment and, and makes me feel alive. Mm. So I would say, you know, what I tell people is that I don't think everyone should go hunting for flow. But if if you're if there's something in you that's saying there's got to be more to life than this, yeah. you know, than the run a mill nine to five, blah blah blah, whatever, then then start risk looking into flow because mm. there is a rich information out there. Yeah, you know, you're talking about whether it's ayahuasca or whatever there's experiences to be had that can enrich your life mm. right now. Mm. Um, and again, like I said, it's important to say, don't go chasing those experiences, mm -hmm. use them wisely, bring the information back and then heal yourself. And to be, for me, uh, I'm a kinder person. I'm a happier person. Yeah. I'm free with my love, you know, and my kindness. So that's I can, how I can I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I guess what I took from that is that it adds a richness to your life very much um so if people wanted to get in contact with you rich if they wanted help with this or you know they wanted to look at one of the treats that you and your wife do together um how would they go about doing that so my website www.husseiniperformance.com okay on instagram husseini performance um yeah we do retreats so week-long retreats we've got one in austria in the summer 28th of july and then we've got one in ibiza and then um, I do an online training, a 12-week online training that goes into kind of fundamentals of really basic stuff. But when you put them together, it lifts everything okay. so much more. And then, um, yeah. So if, if anyone's got any 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 questions for you, uh, can they, they post them via your Instagram, contact you that way? Yeah, or website, or, or, or website email. Website's yeah, the best so, one. Yeah, okay, sure. so what we'll do is we'll put a or link Instagram. to your website yeah. Yeah, in below. And um, it's been absolutely awesome. So thanks Thank for coming you. on today. Thank you so much. Thank Perfect. you very much.